You're listening to Nurses on Fire, the podcast for nurses by nurses aspiring to financial independence. This is our weekly conversations with the CFP edition, where certified financial planners join us to have honest money conversations that guide nurses like you on their path to financial freedom. If you want to get your questions answered, make sure you head over to nursesonfirepodcast.com slash ask to be featured in an upcoming episode. All right, Nurses on Fire, we are back with the beautiful Lisa Peterson, our certified financial planner. And today we're going to be answering a listener question. And this is coming from somebody who dropped me a note in Instagram. And we don't have a lot of information, but this is what they gave us. So she is starting a new job. She's 49 with no retirement. She has $18,000 in student loan debt, a $5,500 personal loan, and $2,000 in savings. She um, is wondering if she should start her 401k now or wait until COVID is over. And she's also wondering, should she buy a house in six months? And she's considering using the NACA program. And we'll talk about what that is later. So let's just jump in and just start talking about this person is 49 years old, almost 50, um, starting a new job and one with no retirement. So let's go there first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that that's the most important part of everything that's been shared. When someone doesn't have a retirement account already in place by the time you're 50, let's say, you've got some work cut out for you if you want to be able to retire in the future and not just be living on social security. So those are the things that we're thinking about are kind of these assumptions that are going on in the back of our minds as we work through her case study, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that like kind of hit hard to me because I, I think there's a lot of people in this position and they're kind of stuck like, well, I'm just kind of learning about my finances and I have made all these mistakes. So like, what should I do now? And I think a lot of people just don't take action because they're stuck on the fact that they haven't done anything up to this point. And so I just want people who are in this situation to first give themselves a little bit of grace and say, okay, and forgive themselves so they can start moving forward because you can get stuck in that place where you don't take action because you haven't previously taken action and you're beating yourself up. So stop, forgive yourself, give yourself grace, and then (laughs) promptly start investing into your retirement account. So the big question was, should she, she started this new job, should she fund her 401k? What do you think, Lisa? So based on what she shared, I would say most definitely she should get started right away with the 401k program. Sometimes there's a waiting period, sometimes not, but no matter what, sign up, fill out the paperwork, get it started and figure out how much money you can contribute while also working on paying down the debt that it looks like she's focused on paying down. It may not be right now. Like right now, there may be some exceptions because of COVID. She mentioned that. But we don't want her waiting until COVID is over to start the 401k. We want her to take advantage of this, get that account started. It's amazing because once you start considering yourself a saver towards retirement, I just want you to feel this, you know, because we're assuming she's listening to this. 
you will never be able to say, I have no retirement account again. Once you open this up and you start, it's done. Now you have one. Now, granted, it may not be as large as you'd like it to be, but you are on the path. And that's what we want you starting with. Exactly. And I think a lot of the hesitation around getting started during COVID is like one of the things we talked about in our first podcast episode is that people are scared to invest in the market during a down economy. And I just wanted to remind you guys that, you know, the higher returns that you get with investing in the stock market is usually tied around like the 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 fact that it's risky, right? So the risk is kind of baked in. So unless you're planning on like just retiring in a couple years, I would say that, you know, that fears can, that fear can be mitigated a little bit. I mean, even since we started this podcast, we saw that the market was low. The market has gotten some crazy high returns. And so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting right now, but assuming that you're still going to work for a couple of years, at least up to traditional retirement age, I think that it's still a good time to invest in general. Yeah, because we're talking about uh, 20, in most cases, 20 plus years before you're even going to be touching that money. That is plenty of time to go up and down with the market. And, you know, don't worry about that. Find something to invest in that, you know, you feel good with, you know, review what they have available and definitely make sure that you are contributing enough to get the match, assuming, you know, something is being offered by the company and pay attention because sometimes during COVID people have reduced those amounts, but then they go back up and you'll get the option, but make sure you change things if you are only doing the minimum. So that would be the suggestion on that. Yeah, that's a good thing to catch. Yeah. The next thing was about paying down. I mean, she didn't really ask about paying down debt, but did you have any sense about that part? Yeah, I think like she wanted to know what to do with like this $2,000 in savings because like, should she focus on her debt? I think that was my my interpretation. She did not necessarily ask that, but I, I think she brought that up as an issue because, you know, she does have a little bit of money in savings, but she still has debt. And so I think the question is, okay, should I invest in my 401k? Should I focus on paying down this debt? And I think, you know, we talked a little bit offline and I think well, it depends, right? Yeah, it depends on how much money she's making. So if you're making $40,000 a year in a high cost area, or you're making 80 or $100,000 in an area where that is a lot of money, then you are going to have more flexibility on what your choices are. So if there's also the other pieces, when you start a new job, sometimes you go through probationary periods where you might see yourself getting a raise in six months or, you know, pay attention to all of those factors and what's the potential for what you're making now, what you might be making six months or one year from now. And you can adjust how you deal with that debt. I don't think there's anything wrong with holding off a little bit of time. I would definitely not use that $2,000 in savings for paying down debt. If you can, if you needed to, you know, get what are they forbearance or the the delays on payments? Like she didn't mention if she's doing any of that right now. You know, pay attention to those options, but don't pay the two thousand dollars. Keep that for a rainy day account. It just depends on your level of income, but yeah, do not touch that two thousand dollars. Don't think that you have to aggressively 
pay towards that you are in a transition period. So if anything, I would even look at beefing up that emergency at least to a couple months of your expenses. So if her expenses are like $3,000 a month, she might consider beefing that up to $6,000 a month before attacking those debts. Let's make an assumption that her loans are federal loans and they're already on that forbearance. If they're not, she might have older loans. Look at getting on a pay-as-you-earn plan so that they do qualify for this forbearance that's been going on. Let's hope that she's done it already because that's already been extended through December. And, you know, so that's happened since what, May until December. So that's a way to have those payments not have any kind of interest or any penalty while you're focusing on what the plan is. And so, yeah, I think that debt right now during this time, which is uncertain, is not one of the things that I would heavily focus on because it's not overwhelming to me. Even if she's 40000 if she makes $40,000 a year, um, it's still under a one-to-one ratio. So, you know, to me, I'm really concerned about her making sure that she's putting away something for retirement. So, yeah, and we can move on to the next thing, which is buying a house. Like, she wants to buy a house in the next six months. She's just started a new job. What advice would you have for her on that? Yeah. So being cautious, I think is really important. When you first start a job, you want to make sure that it fits for you. You like it, you're going to stay in it. And also that it fits for your employer before you engage in kind of taking on a big debt load. And at the same time, you were telling me more about the NACA program. And I think that's very interesting because it may take some time before that even came together. Yeah. But I also wanted to say that I think in America, you know, homeownership is like part of this American dream. And for most people, being in a home, even if they are um, owning it, only represents like rent payments because they never pay off those mortgages. And so I really want people to like stop and think like why they want to own a home and what the purpose of owning a home is. And like, if it's even cost effective to own a home and not wanting to buy a home just because maybe you haven't had a home or you had a home when you lost it and you just, it's a status symbol thing. So I just want to stop and like, just check in on that and just make sure that you're really owning a home that is affordable for you. That makes sense. And always have this rule of thumb, never have your mortgage plus principal, interest, taxes, all that stuff combined be less than 30% of your take home pay. That's your after tax pay. And I think that that's a general rule of thumb. So that's just something to think about. But yeah, let's talk about NACA. So NACA stands for Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America. And so what the the philosophy of kind of NACA is, is that it's like reinvented mortgage lending because it's like supposed to level the playing field and it's eliminating barriers to homeownerships for low to moderate income families and minorities. And, you know, we've talked about this extensively, how, you know, there has been historic unfair lending practices, and this is the organization that was built to kind of mitigate that. As part of that process, they do have some financial coaching and training, and you have to submit budgets and all these kind of things so that you can qualify. So the process does take some time. Also, you are, even though there's no real income ca- income caps, you are looked at as more favorable. I think you get like this, there's like a scoring system. If you do make a little bit less and then you buy a house in 
certain neighborhoods, neighborhoods that are kind of like opportunity zones, meaning that you will be one of the fewer homeowners in that neighborhood. And so you'll be uplifting that neighborhood. It's like, you know, trying to break that cycle of poverty in certain neighborhoods. And so that's what this program is about. The cool thing about this program is that they offer no down payment and really, really, really low interest rates. The interest rates are far below market rates. And you even get the opportunity, since you're not putting a down payment down, to buy down these loans. Like I know people who have bought down their loans to like a 0.25% interest rate. I think these programs are great, but it is very bureaucratic. You, know, I've heard that it, it can take a long time, but for some people I've heard that it was really, really fast and it's very, depends on where you live. So if you live, I think it works really, really well in the South and in the Midwest where housing prices are a little bit lower and there's a little bit more inventory versus in California because they do have caps on how much the loan amounts are. And so in California, number one, it really works well if you're doing multifamily houses, but they also have a lot of delays because I have a little bit of turnover in their uh, systems here. So those are the things that I've heard about the program. I've personally, I tried to actually tried to do this program before and it was just going to be a little bit too much for me for what it was worth. And I couldn't really find a house that qualified for for it. But for people who can stick through it, who can qualify for it, who's, who can find houses, I think that it's an incredible program. Yeah. Beautiful. So it's, it might even be something where you could look into it. You could learn more. You might start the process, but not necessarily select the property, get a feel for it. I don't know that that hurts anybody, especially if it's a lot of stuff and you just want to pace yourself. But sounds pretty interesting. And I mean, I'll say, cause we don't have to be exactly the same with the real estate stuff. Like one thing that you made me think of was always make sure that you know what you're going, what you would be paying for a comparable property with rent in comparison to what it's ultimately going to cost you. Because if they're totally out of whack like that in and of itself might make it a not good decision. You know, NACA may make it so that the payment and everything included is quite affordable compared to rent. And in that situation, you have a low amount down and you're paying very similar to what you're going to pay in rent may be worthwhile. But if it's out of whack and you're paying a lot more, maybe not such a great idea. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, totally. And I think that a lot of times people don't factor in everything that is included when you're a homeowner because you are responsible for fixing everything and your maintenance and all these kind of things. It's pretty darn expensive. <laughs> I mean, just if you're taking out a loan, that process in itself is really, really expensive typically. And I don't think people factor that in. And so just things to consider. There's some awesome rent buy calculators um, that you can Google out there that do include those things. So I always um, encourage people to do that first. But I just want to offer this listener some encouragement and know that it sounds like, I mean, I know she reached out to me kind of like doom and gloom, but it's not all doom and gloom. I think it's exceptional that you recognize the position that you're in and you're ready to take action and you're asking those questions. And so kudos to you for that. And yeah, like what you said, Lisa, like start that retirement account because you can never say again that you don't have a retirement account. That's great. I love this. Come on, you guys, send us some more questions. We want to dive in. (laughs) (laughs) 
I know. I love the questions. All right. So you guys, if you have questions, make sure you send them to nursesonfirepodcast.com slash ask so we can make sure to get you on the podcast. All right, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. We hope that you've enjoyed the episode and that you've learned something new to set you on your path to financial independence. If you love this episode, please share, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want us to go over your financial situation or have your questions answered, head on over to Nurses on Fire Podcast slash ask and have us do an analysis of your individual financial situation. And don't worry, we'll keep you anonymous. Thank you for listening to my mommy's podcast. But don't forget to subscribe. Bye-bye.